You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On today's show, we sit down with Gilliam Jewelry, who is a proven entrepreneur focused on wearable hardware, data security, cybersecurity, with global senior technology leadership experience, solving security, privacy, and portability of all data for both consumer and enterprise markets. He has international experience on three continents, working in sectors like fashion, auto parts, finance, international trade, and manufacturing. On today's show, we talk about why would one want to manufacture their product in the USA versus overseas? Is a four-day work week the best work strategy for a dynamic startup? What is a bigger problem with network security, the software or the hardware? What's it like to grow a startup in stealth mode? And much more. All right, now let's start today's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Guillaume, I'm super excited for today's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. First off, I love your haircut. You're a very handsome gentleman, just like the host of this podcast for everyone out there. I also want to thank, before we start, Han Hai who is allowing us to use her facility for today's recording. Okay, but with that, Guillaume, tell us a little bit about your career up until this point. Thanks, you, Sean, for being here. Um, so I, I started in a little town in, in France where I was born, actually, and always I wanted to go and see the world. So at 10 years old, I was a bit moving, always playing video games, building computers and hacking some little things like MP3, uh, some system and so, 10 years old you're hacking oh uh, yeah yes <laughs> i did i was buying cassettes cds all the music layers and the software and so i was building computers when we had the pentium one 133 megahertz so i was building all the computers during all the time young people was running and going around so me i was really inside home building like a little like a little rat inside and <laughs> it was really fun. And then because I was really outside, I came in, in England for three years to study around it. And then I studied, I kept going and moving on because it was really fun playing video games, the electronic system and how really was built the electronic world back in the 90s, 80s. So from that, I wanted to see all the layers of the different aspects of how we build a company. So I started to do a bachelor degree in accountant management where, where I studied the account and then international trade, which is very funny to see how in the world we exchange different things like uh, merchandising, product, and we send it from other places. So it was really interesting uh, to see how everything moves, how companies was built and see different sectors from that. Then I say, why can't be in fashion? Because I'm French. So <laughs> it was like, oh, French not in fashion is not normal. So I put up in fashion industry for one year. Then I went a bit in international trade, building and sending product from South Africa. And then I don't know why I, I wanted to get out of Europe. I wanted to visit uh, Asia. Asia was a, a magnificent continent. It changed really the world uh, view as an Occidental person all the basic, the culture, the education, how people interact with you. Evidently, I don't speak uh, all Chinese or Thailand, or I don't have this uh, easy way. I only speak French, Spanish, and English. Even if when I speak English, my French (laughs) 
see it very well. But I got over there trying to do a lot of things, visualizing manufacturing, doing outsourcing, financial platforms, and building some products for me. So that was really the whole point of my career, touching everything in every system, going to see every sector. So yeah, it was really how I made, started to build. And we need to touch everything before really getting hands into a, a company. And then, I don't know why, got bit like saying, oh, I've seen Asia. I've seen everything around it. And let's go to the United States. I was going back and forth because uh, my family was going to New York already a lot. So I was going to New York, to Florida. I was with my Samsung Galaxy X5 long time ago. And we had 16 gigabytes of uh, memory. I was, what? All my memory is full? Everything is dead? So I was like, well, no, this can't be full with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And the screen started to jump up with, your cloud is full too. So my cloud is full. My memory of phone is full. So what I can do? And this is where I started to think about the problematic of data owned by servers and company. And with the technology that was created, I sat down and said, hey, why can't we get uh, like a sort of USB key that we can have on a wrist and decentralize our data? And then I started to go deep, deep inside on the tech. And this is where I am right now. So Guillaume, you've had this amazing career with supply chain, Asia, fashion, Europe, US. I mean, I'm not sure if I've ever sat across someone with so much global, so much diverse experience when it comes to just different business operations. Let's talk about kind of some of the, the feedback, some of the takeaway. What were some of the lessons that you learned from all this when you're sitting here in Silicon Valley, when you're, when you're looking at tech? I think tech uh, today has to be changed even at a corporate level. I've learned a lot uh, viewing fails, even for companies. I've seen fails at personal level. I'm not always as successful, of course. Uh, I've had my fail in, in a lot of aspects. But it's like life. When you're born, you start to fall off. And the great thing about human is that we need to stand up. Uh, we can't stay down on the ground. So thanks to that, I've been applying that to my, my whole career. And the Silicon Valley and how tech industry is made and uh, startups are made today. The biggest problem, which I think uh, we should change, is the way that everybody wants an exit and destroy uh, what entrepreneurs have made. I a further believer that an entrepreneur needs to take his company and his startup with his team because without a team, a CEO is nobody. And the real actual, the value, of a company is not the product, but is the people inside of it. In France, we usually say a company, a box, in boîte. So it's really this image of you have a box and people inside. What I'm creating, what I think here, I'm not just creating a product, but I would like to create a new way or new format on how companies take care of their employees. Here in the US, they try to press a lot of people. And we need to retake confidence of our employees and members of the team that they can have a life between work, a balance of between work and uh, private, private life. When I was in the auto part industry, uh, I was CEO during six years. And what I did is that 
we passed, we've been working with all the team of the company and we got from five days of work to four days of work during a week. The benefits are, are extraordinary because people work better with less time and they are enjoying coming, working through it. So what I see here in California, but not only in the US, is that a lot of employees or members of the teams need to have this freedom to be able to that a CEO or an entrepreneur can rely on his team and not always uh, looking on how many times they work, what are their software aspects, um, having software to track their productivities. I don't believe in that. I truly believe in what I call social climate in a company. And without a social climate in a company, you can't have a very good company or a Formula One company, what I always say. That's interesting because, I mean, companies here, I think some of them pride themselves on having a good work environment, which to them almost means we have a ping pong table here. We have beanbag chairs here. We have a cafeteria that they can gain 15 pounds their first month working here. We have all these amenities so people never have to go home. And what you're saying is that's kind of actually an unhealthy or wrong way to, to build a company. Is that right? I think we need to create a very uh, nice private balance inside companies like open, for example, many companies do open space. Nobody wants to come at work in an open space with the noise around it, with the CEO or the boss or the upper layer that comes and watch the person. Nobody wants, people need to have a place where they can sit down, work, have a quiet place they can be able to get out or come back and we need to give this freedom to each people on the team and second i think that company are not restaurants <laughs> because by way to build a company is in cities we have a lot of infrastructure made you have restaurants you have coffees you have bars so why companies need to have everything inside my, my truly believe is that people at 12 o'clock, they can get outside. The company can pay part of or the full, like say $30 to go and eat every day. We do it in France, which is called a chèque cadeau. So it's like people, you give a check at the end and people with this can go on the restaurants and buy whatever they want. So it's good for those for each member of the team to get cut out of the work during the day. Um, go and see friends, meet people, and then come back to work. This is how I think the balance should be in companies and the companies need to attract those people. It's not just about money. It's very good the way that I have truly confidence on you. You have your time, you manage your time, you work as you have to do. This is what I want. So would that even be at the level of an early stage startup where there's say 20 employees, where they're working around the clock seven days a week to build this product, get it this out there. Is that unhealthy? If when they have that goal of, hey, just six more months and we'll raise that capital, we'll get to that next round. Yes. I, I don't think you should push always your team to get. Why? Because sometimes you need good things, need times to be prepared. So when you have a team around and you fix deadlines to have being funded or have your objective as an entrepreneur, 
you need to understand that all objectives are not easily reachable at the time you want. In my particularity, I, with my team, very small team, we can't always touch the deadline because there is so many uncertainties every time we take a lead or an action or we have a decision. We don't have the structure of biggest company. So the way to do it is really making this relation between each one of them on the team and say, okay, this is what we want. This is where we want to go. What do we need? And if we have one week or two weeks times, doesn't matter of delay. It's not going to change everything. The most important is that the product and the team works well to build something great. And that's the only formy subject and matters. How important, and this is a topic that just came up on a recent interview, leadership and communication when building your company. Le- leadership, you have to uh, always work more than uh, your member of the team. And then you have to show them the way. I describe always entrepreneurs like Rome. And uh, I always describe a team like the Praetorian Guard, which this is how I really define it. Around the entrepreneurs, you need to build a Praetorian Guard. Those are the people that surround the entrepreneurs to build and create the decision to be able to make what you want to do. Then through that, you build down layer and then you grow up your company. So the most important way is that without your surrounding team, that you have a very confidence on it, you won't be able to make decisions or you won't be able to drive your company and your team. That's the most important. So when you have to rely on each one of them, you have to spend time with them, you have to exchange personal experience, professional experience, and you have to create this social climate, which is like a team. A team always win together. There is no individual. I don't, I don't believe that entrepreneurs can only do everything. It's the team that does everything. It's like a football match or like a, like a tennis. Well, tennis is, is individual, but when you play two, of course, or you need always a person around you to suffer. And it's, it's how always been all the great stories and great companies, even the most successful entrepreneurs and CEOs is always well surrounded. That's for me the key features and most entrepreneurs forget that you need to surround you very well and really pace those strategy. Therefore, you can leverage in the moment and time you need to do it. That is the strongest part of it. Fantastic information about the importance of team leadership. As your company's growing, maybe you'll want to start sourcing from overseas or overseas distribution. You've had experience setting up operations in Asia. What are your thoughts currently about everything in the news with supply chain and everything that's going on? 15 years ago, I was in Asia, going around Fujian, Dongguan, Suzhou, Shenzhen, um, going to see all types of industry, from the electronic industry, pharmaceutical, uh, high uh, metal industry for boats, uh, cars. And yes, outsourcing products and manufacturing products in countries like Asia, like China, is very good because of course it costs less to produce but you need to produce it you need to speak the same language where you go you need to have the position where you can ship those products so even if it's less price in 
Asia, in China, Taiwan, all of those outsourcing uh, countries, it's still, I think, an enormous cost. Because when you send a product, you have incoterms. Incoterms are built the international trade where you exchange or you pass the, how do you say it? The, um, sorry for my French, uh, the, um, the charges uh, or the responsibility of the product when whose responsibility will be if your product falls in the water or arrive to the port or arrive to another place. So you still have to pay insurance through that. You still have to pay ports. You still have to pay so many things that added to your final cost when the products arrive. And then you will have, you don't have, you can't have the control really on your supply chain. The only way to do it is to produce in your own country. So how come, I mean, I understand when this all started years ago, there is such a difference in the cost of labor. And now over time that that cost getting less and less. When do you think companies will start looking to manufacture back in their home country or man- not so much overseas manufacturing? They're already starting. The American government has put up some um, acts to be able to produce chipsets here in the United States. So it's already starting because they've seen that they don't have control on the supply chain today. So the best way to do it is to produce today. And it's, it's happening right now. Uh, and the future is producing in-home. I'm a fever believer that the United States has an incredible potential. It has all the materials to create. But sometimes people don't want to buy a product 20 or 10 or 30% more than a product that they want. The corporation needs benefits to be able to give to their actual uh, order as well. So adding all those benefits that are in it leads to today everybody's crying because there's the problem of supply chain. And it wasn't this problem in the 80s. And the problem wasn't like this in the 90s. And it wasn't this problem in 2000. It's just a problem right now with all the problems that happens in the world. War, uh, international trade problems, intellectual property around it. All those leads to enormous problems uh, on that. How long does it take, do you think, for the mindset of people? Because, I mean, even right now, Silicon Valley, early stage companies, they're thinking about getting their prototypes built overseas. They're thinking about you know, the manufacturing visited in warehouses, manufacturers overseas. When do you think a company should actually start looking to develop products in-house, develop products here locally in Silicon Valley or in the Bay Area or in the U.S. versus going overseas? Is there a certain time in their, in their life or a certain number of orders or when? Since the beginning. You need to construct your product in-house. We, in our company, we don't develop any product outside. And this, it should be like this. You as an entrepreneur create a product. You're a bit like God. So you need to start really create all your software from the ground because at the end, it's your technology. At the end, it's your value. At the end is what you're going to do or show to the market that you have a product special that you can control from the ground to up your product. So 
born entrepreneur or CEO or someone that wanted to try to start a startup, he need to find a full stack engineer. Find the engineering around. In the US, you have everything. You have all those people that are just asking for an entrepreneur to say, hey, let's build a product from the ground. Let's do a pure product that is the company. And other entrepreneurs that don't do that and take like other formats or other uh, third-party apps or development, they arrive in a point that they don't have control on their product. So when they have updates, they need to spend time on what they have put in the updates, what happened to this third-party development. And if you develop outside, there's always the problem of culture. It's difficult to speak American to an Asian. There is a, a very enormous gap in the culture around that. And the response to a problem gives you 24 hours of response. If you have your proper team with you, when you wake up in the morning, you have all your engineering around and say, this is the problem. And it's already solved in the day. With an outsourcing outside, it will take you 24, 48, and no control in your technology. And that's an enormous advantage and problem for a lot of people. No control in your technology. I mean, that's something that comes up here all the time with, you know, they stole our IP, they, they copied our product. Well, first off, can you tell our audience a little bit about your, your background experience in intellectual property? And then I'd kind of like to hear your, your thoughts and concerns or just your thoughts of how so many early stage companies spend so much of their money on patents and that right on day one, kind of what are your thoughts? Should they spend all that on day one or wait or what's the better way to look at patents as a, as a founder of a company? I started to enter in the world of patent when I started to build my patent. I arrived to talk with an IP lawyer and we started to discuss. I'm always very interesting about everything. And I, by just passion, I started to go in the intellectual property and get inside uh, an organization called the Intellectual Property Organization in Washington, D.C. Intellectual property has always been one in the United States, one of the most important things. During the First and Second World War, we, the United States, brought all the brains here in the United States to develop technology. And by developing technology and protecting your own technology gives you an enormous steps right in front of everybody. Does it keep you secure to be copied? No, because you can be copied. But you have a, uh, a way to defend your technology and a way to defend yourself. And it brings a value to your company. So entrepreneurs that spend a lot of time and money in IP, it's good. They need to have always a first IP that covers everything and then developed around the patent that cover general aspect, specificities of the patent. So that's really the way I advise to do it in the intellectual property and building IPs. We're, we're also going to just add the, uh, the little asterisk. Guillaume is not a lawyer. Talk to a lawyer first. This is not legal advice. Just like this is not financial advice if we ever cover any of that stuff in today's podcast. So helping you out on that one. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> I'm not. Guillaume, how does one go about strategizing the birth of a company? Good question. Uh, you need to have various diverse strategy. First, you need to create something. 
So when you need to create, you start by a team and you need to say, who do you need? What type of person do you need? Then you have your idea and you have to think in a format that does your team can take this idea and bring it into something on the ground to the market. That's the first aspect onto it. And then, of course, you need to develop this team to go in a, in a way that you want to get. For example, in my aspect, it was uh, with this wearable device that managed and stored data. So the strategy of that is I need first to create a relation and create my network. I have, I create during three years my network, touching many different aspects, governments, financial, outsourcing, distribution, manufacturing. And then from that, I build my team around it. When all that is done, we build the product. And then when the product is built, is where I want to go, who I do want to touch. So I started to make my connection from the B2B. I did the connection from the B2G. And then same too, I started to show to consumers what I was creating. So from that, I give back, I take back their feedback and bring the strategy up to the ground. So it depends. Strategy, it goes everywhere. As I always say, all the roads goes to Rome. So there is not a perfect strategy. Uh, you have to own your strategy, which is the most important. Now you had mentioned B2B and B2G. So for our listeners, business to business or business to government. How difficult, I'm not sure if I should say difficult, but different is it working trying to sell product to a business versus trying to sell product to the government, especially as an early stage company or working with those two, especially as an early stage company? The business side, you need to have very close relation to all the business and understand what are their problems today. To get access to the business, you have more business than government. So you need to go and knock at the door to all the businesses to be able to insert your product. The government is different. They have a way to do it. They have a regulation where you need to talk. There is someone you need to touch. So it's very different. The, the view or the strategy when you have to get a government or when you have to get a business. The governments always want to keep the technology control, the business not. You're selling more product to a business. A government, you're really selling something that is, let's say, custom-made for them. And when you have that done, you need to create this relation with the government because they don't take a product that is produced outside. So when you get access to the government, you need to understand that you'll be a bit blocked if you want then to sell to other people. So it depends on the strategy, how you want to get in touch. B2B is extraordinary. There is so much people on the B2B side, oh, sorry, on the business side. And uh, on the government, you have to find the right person that makes the right decision. That's the only way. Interesting. I mean, I'd, I'd like to learn more about the sales cycle. I'd like to learn more if, if, it's, if you need a special salesperson for one versus the other. I'm not sure how much you could dive into that, but I guess, how did you even know that B2G business government was kind of a fit for your product? or what you're working on? The government has the same problem as a consumer or as a business. They all have a server in, in their uh, house or in their place. Well, well, before we go too deep, 
are you okay with sharing a little bit what you're working on? Because just saying a server, it's kind of ambiguous. Yes. Yeah, I can deep dive a bit uh, and explain. I won't be able to be too technical because we want to open uh, the product a bit later on. You don't need anymore to have a cloud or a place where you put all your personal data into servers. And as a lot of people know, major hacks comes from the inside and authorization from the employees. They, as I explained before, the government has sensitive information into servers, so they need to decentralize it. So it's the same aspect as the government. When it comes at home or when it works, he needs to do the same like everybody. So what really does my, my product and will be done my, the, our, us, our own mini servers is really decentralized data. So no more hacking. So you have many files like financial statements, due diligence contract, uh, very sensitive data that needs to get out of the whole system. And doing that, they are totally secure. So the decentralization, disconnecting from what the whole servers are made, this is the key for privacy. And that's why the government is as interested as businesses with the type of product that I'm building. So the product that you're building, we could pivot away from it because I do know that you're in stealth mode. I'm wondering about the design of the hardware itself or software. Where, where is the security the biggest issue with companies now? Software, hardware, or... Because cybersecurity, network security, the zero trust network is discussed a lot, especially with the work from home phenomenon. So I'm curious about your insights. There is no 100% secure methodology or aspect. The only from the 80s, 90s generation. So when we had a computer, we didn't have internet. So when you don't have internet, you don't have virus, you don't have any sort of connection. Uh, so the only way you need when tomorrow you'll be able to work is to work decentralized and not connected. That's the only, the only issues, the only way uh, to be able to really be secure on your work. So if people has Zoom, all those technology that are built today to be able to work at home, they're not secure. Absolutely not. Um, it's, a, it's an enormous issue. They have all the biggest uh, companies have security breaches and security issues. And this is due to two factors. First, the software, because they usually use software that are already pre-developed with third-party apps using AWS. And so like all cloud are connected, everything is touched. When you have everything connected, it's very easy that a virus or someone interns in a, in a software can go everywhere. And second, the hardware level is the key for the software to run. So if you have a hardware that is not as secure as the software, the whole system is compromised. We see, as we develop the product today, we see that, for example, a Wi-Fi chipset has BLE and Wi-Fi. BLE? Uh, Bluetooth. Sorry. Bluetooth. <laughs> We're very... Uh mechanical engineer nerdy engineer focused audience but still let's you know make sure everyone make, make sure i it's uh my use to to use those words <laughs> but the bluetooth and the wi-fi with everything all the chipset are together it's the problem we need to have one wi-fi that do wi-fi 
one Bluetooth that do Bluetooth, NFC that do real NFC, and build around the security around each chipset disconnected from the whole system. If you decentralize and disconnect each chipset, the security comes way more higher than anybody else. Interesting. So then why aren't more companies doing that? Why do companies want everything combined all in one like a Swiss army knife? The culture uh, about building a company quick, having results very quick, we used to always, as I was saying before, people are building things, want to build things quick. They want to build chipsets and have systems that you can pull that down in five seconds. People have been used to that, and this is not the good way to do it. So in my particular product, we build everything from the ground. It takes time. It takes financial. You don't get to your milestones as it has to do. But if you want to build something quick and easy, sure. Today, you win time, you win money, you win pro problems inside the company with your employees, with your team. And everybody wants that, even on the investor side that we didn't talk. But an investor wants really the company to grow, has, has his money very safe. And then he can ex get out with the money with a plus 10 or plus 5 or being able to retake his money with benefits. The actual way to do it, an obligation for entrepreneurs to build everything quick. And this is not for me the good thing. You don't build something quick. Everything that all the product and even our relation needs time to create. So you, that's the, the way I, f I think. Even when you have a relation with someone, you don't have a relation with someone in five seconds is not going to a bar and you create a relation. Hey, how are you? Oh, let's have a vodka. Let's drink. Boom. Your relation is done. No way. You need, you need time to do that. Oh, it depends if you go at night or it depends on the way you do. But if you want something, create something very strong with someone, you need to build. It, times need to build. Yeah. You need, it's, it's the only way you need to build something. So that's why. Oh. Thank God this is not a pickup artist <laughs> podcast. And <laughs> so every, every guy out there trying to push that wedding date down the line, just remember Guillaume's interview here. <laughs> okay. So, so question we've talked a lot about, well, you actually, you mentioned something that was very interesting. The investors wanting that quick return. How could a company both want to build this kind of slowly designed methodically thought out product while they're being pushed by investors to get it out the door now, get it to market, get sales. How do those two, sounds like oil and vinegar, how do those two actually work together? Maybe at first you need to choose your investor, which I think is the important thing that all entrepreneurs should do. When you get, you have everything aligned, team, product, manufacturing, strategy, which is taking the most value to it, you need to be able to choose your, your partner. I don't really think that you need to treat an investor as an investor. You need to treat an investor as a partner. It's someone that could get that going to spend two, three, five, ten 10 years with you working in the company and bringing something. Partners and investors on a need to bring more than just money. They need to bring network. They need to bring 
happiness in the company because you have employees that work every day. You have a team that works every day. And then you have the investors on the other side. There has been so much problem in a lot of startups with investors or partners that has brought so many uncertainties inside of it and has, let's say, has created an enormous break in the team. Some people leave. Some company has been messed through that. So it's really this relation with partners, with investors that need to be built. That's my, that's what I think. And all entrepreneurs should do it like this. While talking about security, you also mentioned decentral, decentralized. Well, before the interview, Guillaume and myself had a couple conversations about crypto. And well, originally I wasn't going to bring it on the show, but decided to anyway right now. What are your thoughts of crypto, alternative coins, cryptocurrency, that space in general? What should people be aware of? Oh, uh, <laughs> crypto has been very crazy in the last 10 years. There is only three people that has 95 or let's say 96% of the market, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and another one. And then you have all the other ones. They are doing crypto, in a, in, it's too aggressive. The markets just go up and down like a yo-yo. It's not good for the cryptocurrencies. Second, sec there is no security around crypto. Uh, so if you want to, let's say, put your money in crypto and that people don't know it, you invest in crypto, but the market surely will go down. And as the Lord of the Ring always says, there always <laughs> there will be one that will rule the market. So um, we'll see in the, in the future how it goes. For me, the future of crypto is having one crypto that will lead the whole market exchange in the world, which is a dollar crypto, a euro crypto, a yen crypto. That money has been today really in a cryptocurrencies way that you can use if you want to go, for example, to France, to the United States, that with your phone or with your device, you can download your crypto or exchange your currency in a few seconds without going back and forth. This is where I think the future of crypto and crypto needs to be anonymous. We need to live to each one of us being able to be anonymous in the financial world which is not where we're going. We want to control all the money. We want to control where people invest, where people put the money. And it's, it's not how it's never been like this since century. So we always say, sometimes we put the money under the bed. <laughs> I think there's still a lot of people <laughs> who does that. And I found it very great that we, that we can do it. Do you think possibly governments are wanting all these altcoins, all this crypto to be adopted by people to then later have it switched to a digital currency, a global one. I mean, we're already seeing digital currency, a kind of official one in China. You'll see companies adopt Bitcoin, but is there the possibility of this just being a, a switcheroo in the future? It will. It will. All the currencies that are around it, those are cryptocurrencies. Well, I think I don't have a crystal ball, so it's, it's really my opinion, but it will, it will go down. We will have, as you say, uh, one crypto adopted by each country and that will be the money. We have the dollar, though the bill, physically the money, 
and then it will be digitalized. It's just a matter of time. But it's been they doing in a way that it's not really good being made. We need to to make a currency that is has, doesn't have so much value that can go up and down like Bitcoin. It needs to be pretty stable. And then that all money can be exchanged as we can exchange currency today very easily. Uh, you go to the airport, you pass, you change it, and you can change and you can change your money. But the currency, the the cryptocurrencies will do it without you giving the passport. Now, the a lot of consumers uh, has to know that when you buy a cryptocurrencies in all the markets uh, where people really takes the all the fees, the financial fees that are taken by cryptocurrencies market, and of course some companies needs to declare the cryptocurrencies as an exchange. So even if you don't do it in, in you with the company of cryptocurrencies, some companies of cryptocurrencies need to have it done. Yes. So uh, the biggest, uh, the, the money laundry, it's an enormous uh, discussion with cryptocurrencies. And all if you see all the owners of cryptocurrencies, they all have their account in Cayman or Malt or other uh, from offshore. So never forget, cryptocurrency is digitalized and you exchange your cryptocurrencies with your money of the bank. So when you buy cryptocurrencies, you take real dollar from your bank account that you transform into digitalization. This, digital, this crypto, then this money is thrown out into platform offshore. And that's, I mean, personally, I don't buy cryptocurrencies and I w- will never buy it because it's not secure and you have no insurance that tomorrow you will get back your proper money. And there is many examples today that you can see people has lost $15,000, $100,000 just because they bought up to 60000 the Bitcoin, and then boom, nothing more, and that's the end. Cryptocurrencies is the golden money to be able to buy anything. Sometimes I usually go, sometimes on the dark net. So you want to buy... <laughs> anything yeah, you can and find it there you, buy, you can buy anything yeah. you can buy everything you buy with cryptocurrencies you don't buy it with dollars that's the, the cryptocurrencies that's the whole game of it buy something that nobody knows that's why we, we come back with what I was with the type of product I'm building and people buy privacy people want privacy at every level personal level financial level Nobody wants their proper life in a financial or private life being sent to the internet or being seen with everybody. It's always been like this. People, uh, there is a French expression, pretty funny, that says, <laughs> I'm going to try to traduce it in, in English, but um, it says, vivons heureux, vivons caché, which means if you want to live happy, Live hidden. Really? Yeah. Live hidden. Okay. How come? Uh, because um, when you living in a house or when you, people always take a look at you. So, you know, when you get out, oh, look, look the neighbors, what they do. Nah, 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 nah. And the best way that uh, you want your privacy, it's in your house. And if you're at your house and nobody knows where you are, you have the most private life mm-hmm. that you can have if you are in the middle of the sea. But nobody knows where you are. You will be totally private and relaxed. 
with your margarita or <laughs> or surfing or relaxing like like in the like in mangas as you see in movies or things like this but it's the privacy and it's always been private at all level so Guillaume, what can we expect from you and your company in the next few years my a lot of things i'm here to really break the market disrupt the market in the data in servers in future technology new products it's been so many years in the market that we don't see new products so many years that we didn't have the chance to have a product that will really give back control on the data so the future will be privacy the future will be retake data uh, for each consumers uh, i will create a phone uh, we will develop new servers uh, we will develop a whole new system where the consumers with this information will be the center point and not anymore the servers like Microsoft are investing enormous amount in putting servers in water, having spent so much energy, electricity to have servers running 24 hours. Like when you sleep, if you take a look before sleeping to your application, you, you, you should uh, one day look how many times your update application are made per day. It's, it's really crazy. What you get at night before sleeping or before snoring, it depends on when you are. You just take a look at your phone and you see the updates of all your application. And it, it's really, it's, it's crazy or astonished how those companies, Google, Apple, when the, which I call the big five, like in South Africa, the big fives of the lion, the elephant in South Africa, it's very well known, the big five, how many updates, how many information, how many programs then they insert inside your phone to know what you do uh when you go to instagram you say oh that looks nice you go to the website and then oh whoa you type you type on google your your what you have seen and suddenly in the search bar you have exactly what you've been looking 10 seconds ago and the future of what we're building is that this will never happen again people need to be free uh people need to choose where they want People need to have their privacy. So we're going to build something new and very exciting. That's true. It's fantastic. And Guillaume, if anyone wants to find out more information about you, what you're working on, what's the best way to go about doing it? You can go up to the website, go to the LinkedIn profile, connect with me. Very happy to share what we're doing. We'll be able to show a bit more on it. So website, LinkedIn profile, or discuss with you to have uh, my email and then he can write to me all right is the website up yet or not not the website will be up in two months okay so we will update everyone in the show notes when it does come live in the meantime maybe maybe linkedin is the only way correct linkedin the only way yes all right we'll have if it's okay with guillaume we'll have his linkedin in the show notes but for everyone out there i guess stay tuned for two months from the release of this episode you're going to see some you know, world change in technology. But with that, I want to thank Hanhai again for allowing us to use their facility for the recording. I want to also thank our audience. Please go on any of the podcast platforms, YouTube, any of the social media channels we're on, and we're on pretty much all of them. Give us a good review, share our content, and it helps us, encourages us to create more content in the future. And if you're an entrepreneur out there and your company's ready for an exit, ready to get acquired, when I'm not doing the podcast, I'm a mid-market investment banker focused on mergers, acquisition, growth capital, and secondaries. Please connect with me on the SiliconValuePodcast.com. My LinkedIn is Sean Flynn, investment banker. 
So I look forward to having a conversation. And with that, Guillaume, thank you for your time this week on the Silicon Valley podcast. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley podcast. To access our resources, visit us at the siliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only and is licensed by the Investors Podcast Network. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.